Welcome to the Brothers in Crime podcast. We are brothers. We talk about true crime. We don't take ourselves too seriously. And you shouldn't either. Over 7,000 reports related to the online sextortion of minors and at least 3,000 victims, primarily boys. These men came into his home and murdered his son. More than a dozen sextortion victims were reported to have died by suicide. This episode includes accounts of children being victims of crime, including sexual exploitation, and children who have committed suicide. We won't go into graphic detail, but we do understand that these topics may be too difficult for some to hear. Walker Montgomery, 16-year-old kid, big into football. He really loved football and wanted to excel at it. He took it up in the seventh grade, and from then on, I can relate to this. I've got a kid that's like that. I'm pretty sure his only interest in school is because it happens to be where football is. He was good in school. His academics were good. He loved the outdoors. Him and his dad went hunting and fishing. They lived on a farm. He was a good worker, had a good work ethic. He was raised in the church, raised to respect adults. What part of the world are we in? They're in a small town on a farm in what we would consider the middle of nowhere in Mississippi. Part of the SEC conference. So, I mean, when you talk about how this kid loves football so much, it makes sense right down there. Football's a big part of life for most people. Yeah, for sure. And football, family, church, all things that are pretty common in the South. And the family unit is one of the most important things in society. And this particular family, let me tell you how the last evening of November went for this family. The kids got home from school. Dad takes Walker's younger brother, Bennett. I believe he was 11. He might have been 13. Not positive. Takes his brother. They go out hunting. Walker gets home from school. He's out in a shop next to the pole barn working out. He's an athlete. That's what they do. Around supper time, they all come together. Dad and the one brother come in from hunting. Walker comes in from his workout. They all sit down. They have supper together. It's a practice they try to do every day, you know, as much as they can. We know life gets in the way sometime, but they sit down and have dinner together. Later that evening, the kids go to bed. Mom, Courtney, puts them all to bed, prays with them. Everything's great. Next morning, around 6 o'clock in the morning, Mom and Dad get up. Courtney and Brian, they're getting ready for their day, drinking their coffee and whatnot. Mom goes up to get the boys up. Apparently, Walker and his younger brother both had rooms upstairs. She wakes up the younger brother. She goes to wake up Walker, and she finds him laying across his bed. At first, she's thinking it's a prank. He's playing a prank on him or something, but she very quickly realizes that he is dead. He has shot himself while they were asleep. Hmm. Now, this is about the worst possible thing any parent can imagine. Anytime a child dies before a parent, it's just horrible. And remind me, he was, what was he, 16, 17? He had just turned 16 three weeks or a month before in the month of November. It started between him and his older sister. They were getting the younger kids, they were driving them to school. Yeah, so a point in your life where the last thing, I know when I was 16, the last thing I thought about was my mortality. You're just out. You got that freedom of having a driver's license, it sounds like, taking your siblings to school, but pep rallies and football games, movies and dates with friends and things like that. That's a very exciting time of life for any person. Absolutely. At that point, you just can't wait to be 18. But (laughs) for a boy, you're excited that you can drive now. So that's the one good thing about going to school is at least you can drive now. And of course, this kid's got football, friends, family, the Mm. church. He's got a lot going on for him. He's got everything going for him. Mm. And his dad describes that the family at this point, the night before, they lived a blessed life. He said they never could have dreamed that they would have the life that they had. They were just immensely blessed and grateful for the life they had. Yeah. So that all sounds great. So where did it go wrong? What happened? Where it went wrong, they wouldn't find out for over a month what had happened. So this happened on the morning of December 1st is when they found him. The local law enforcement, of course, came to the scene. They looked around and said, this is the cleanest scene we've ever been to. There's nothing here that is out of place or suggests there's any kind of problem. And one of the things they did, of course, was they took his phone. Teenagers and, well, hell, us adults, our phones are an extension of us anymore. Absolutely. You, know, you want to look into somebody's heart, just check their search history. We say things to a cell phone, at least type things, that we wouldn't say to another human being on Earth. But especially with teenagers, certainly if you can find out what's going on in their phone, maybe you can find some clues. Now, fortunately, in this case, the parents had the password to his phone, so that wasn't a problem trying to unlock it or anything. 
which also goes to show you that this is a connected family, more connected than mine. You know, I'm not trying to shame anybody out there. I'm just trying to point out that for anyone that thinks this can't happen to you or it won't happen to my kid, I know what my kid's doing. These parents knew what their kids were doing. They were connected. He wasn't into anything. And even after the phone was opened and explored, there's nothing in there except around midnight, I think it might have been 12.01, a message came through on Instagram to Walker. And the message appeared to be from a girl, an attractive girl about his age that said, hey, what's up? And then a conversation ensued, and this girl explained that she was a friend of a friend, started talking to him about football, and that he played football, and this and that, and whatnot. And then the conversation got a little bit more intimate, and she asked if he wanted to fool around, and he's like, what do you mean? And one thing leads to another, and he is asked by this girl to engage in, I don't even know what you call it, maybe it's cyber sex, I don't know. But basically, with two-way video, each independently videotaping themselves. They're going to have a dirty FaceTime, is what you're telling me. Yeah, they're going to. That's the proposal. This was on Instagram, which is also owned by the Meta Facebook. It started on Instagram, and it stayed on Instagram. So he gets the message of, hey, what's up? The small talk, then the let's fool around. And then she convinces him to participate in some kind of sex acts via video that they will share in real time. As soon as that concludes, immediately things change. So now what he believes is this girl that's about his own age that has just engaged in this interlude with him immediately now sends back a copy of that video because even though he may have thought it was an instant disappearing, no record of it thing, the scammer's on the other end. Wait, there's a scammer? You said it was a girl. I said he thought it was a girl. It was absolutely not a girl. This was an Instagram account that was operated by scammers. They recorded the video of what he was doing, and as soon as that was over, they sent the video back to him and said, we're going to send this to everyone you know unless you send us money. Huh. And they wanted $1,000, and they wanted it right now. So you're 16, you just maybe went out on a limb a little bit, because you said from the investigation into his phone that this was really the only thing that they saw that was noteworthy. This was it. And the uh, investigators, the FBI, they were convinced this is it. This is the only thing there, and there is no doubt this is what led to this young man taking his own life. Wow. So they demand $1,000 right now. Mm. And he says, look, I don't have the money. I can't send you money. This is dumb. Leave me alone. They're not buying it. Not even a little bit. Mm. Uh, they tell him to get it. He says he can't. They tell him to go somewhere and get it. He's like, I live in the middle of nowhere. So these scammers, is this all just about money? You would think, but... Do they cut and run whenever he says, oh, I'm broken, I'm from Mississippi and I can't send you money? Or how do they respond to that? No, absolutely not. When he said, I don't have any money, I can't go get money, it's not like I can run to an ATM, I'm in the middle of nowhere, then their answer is, well, you need to steal it from your mom and dad. And he's like, oh, I can't do that. Hmm. So he's not down with that at all. They keep pushing and they keep telling him that basically his life is going to be over everyone's going to hate him. Hmm. He's going to be, a, I mean, there every possible fear he had in his head at that moment. And I can't even imagine for anyone, adult or child, for a video of you in a very compromising way to be made public would be just a horrifying thought. And then to imagine that as a 16-year-old boy where your rep is everything and you're from a family of faith and so you realize this is wrong. These scammers played on every one of those fears. Well, yeah, one of the lines they said to something about how everybody was going to know or everybody was going to feel a certain way. or Yeah, they went right to the conclusion. They didn't just yeah. say, we're going to send this to your friends. We're going to send this to your family. They said, we're going to send this to everyone you know, and they're going to hate you. Yeah, They're going to be mad at you. Nobody's going to talk to you. And when you said that, I just thought as a 16-year-old for probably almost every 16-year-old, that would be like, that's worse than anything you could say to them to make them really believe that's going to happen. I, so I imagine he's thinking of trying to walk into school the next day. Mm. Well, walk into school in maybe six, seven hours at this point. Right. And everybody's already seen this. So he's like, I can't go to school. I can't stay home. He's thinking about looking at people in the church, looking at his mm. family again. 
being in the locker room. Right. From everything you said, he sounds like he's a pretty popular kid, right? I mean, football player, kind of family sounds like, you know, it's a decent family. They're connected. They're involved in the community, that kind of thing. So it seems like this was a guy from the description I've heard. He was good to everyone. He was the kid that, and his dad says, he's not perfect. Nobody's perfect. But as far as kids go, this kid was one that the teachers were always bragging on, that they loved to have in class. He looked out for people in general, whether it was friends his own age or adults or whatever. He cared about people. And here, he cared a lot about what people would think of him. And he's 16. I can't imagine being put in that position. It's not that the scammer said, we're going to send this to everyone you know and let his brain go to all the conclusions. They told him what the conclusions were. Everyone's going to hate you. No one's going to talk to you. Your life is pretty much over. That's a pressure point, man. For a kid that age, that is an awful spot to be in. Right. Unless you send us this $1,000. But it didn't end there. So what they do next to put the pressure on is they send him screenshots that portray as though they are sending the messages out one by one to his friends list, his followers list. So they didn't actually send them, but they made it look like they were doing this. Right. So to to Walker, he's thinking all his friends are getting this video. One by one. And it, it appeared they went in alphabetical order. So they're sending him one screenshot after another saying, look, we're sending it out. So at this point, he doesn't have the money. He's not going to steal it from his parents. Uh They're sending it out. This is getting bad. He tells them, I'm going to kill myself. And their response to him was, go ahead and do it. Your life's already over. So to your question of, was it all about the money? I don't know. You would think it certainly is a money scam starting out. But if they get to a point where they're not getting the money and like they're never going to get the money if he kills himself. Right. That's, I was just, and it's kind of cold to say it this way, but you think about mob enforcers, they would say dead people can't pay. So they're going to inflict a lot of pain on you, but they want you alive because they want you to pay your bills. Right. Where this seems more just like, okay, we're not getting the money. You would think they would take a different tactic or maybe try to reach out to the parents or do something different. But instead they're just really cold and callous. And right. At this point, it sounds like they're off the money train. Mm-hmm. And on to, because if he's dead, he can't give him any money, but they're not saying, hey, oh, uh, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. We'll be in touch tomorrow. Yeah. Talk to your parent or talk mm-hmm. to this person or find the money and we'll come back in a week or there's none of that. It's just like evil. Honestly, it yeah. just sounds evil. It sounds like it went from trying to be a thief to just being sadistic mm-hmm. to tell a kid, go ahead and do it. Uh, yeah, I can't. That's awful. That gives me chills. Do I remember correctly, I thought I heard Walker's dad in something talking about how kind of the point where maybe it turned where Walker clearly was upset and started saying, you know, he was just going to end his life was after. Didn't these scammers make it seem like they had sent this video to his mom? Yeah. So they were going in alphabetical order and sending him the screenshots as they were allegedly sending the messages out to people in his contact list with the video attached. And when they got to the C's, his mom is Courtney. And when they got to the screenshot of where they were sending it to his mom, Mm. that was the end of that. And the last, this is really important because the conversation ended around 2 a.m. So you said it started when? At midnight, midnight, 1201. So in a period of hours, yep. Two hours. This kid went from normal 16 year old, just like every other 16 year old in America, Mm. probably better off than a lot of them, myself included. He had an awful lot going for him. And like I said, not perfect, but sounds like any parent would be happy to have him. Mm-hmm. Went from that to dead because mm-hmm. he couldn't see any way out of this. The fear and the horror suicide is generally the result of an inability to cope. Whatever is going on is beyond our ability to process it and figure a way out. And obviously, he did not see a way out. And again, he's 16. So he's still brain development has a long way to go. Mm -hmm. Even though when we're teenagers, we think we know everything. And that gets us into trouble sometimes. He didn't know what he didn't know. And the parents have gone public with this story. And they speak in schools. And they've spoken on the news and whatnot and done interviews because they want other parents to be aware and potentially prevent it. And again, 
It's not that he was into something. It's not like, oh, he was in a gang and they didn't know it. Mm. It's not like he was in some weird sex ring for days, weeks, months, or years, and they just didn't pick up on it. Not like he was depressed for six months and they didn't notice it. Everything was normal until midnight. And by 2 a.m., he was dead. Mm. And as a parent, how do you... uh, It's terrifying. Yeah, two hours. I mean, that's a blip on the radar of life. Two hours is nothing. And so for something that serious to happen in the course of two hours, you're right. It's absolutely terrifying. All right. So after a month, remember, they spent the whole month of December, the parents, the family, everybody not knowing. They just knew everything was fine and then it wasn't. So they spent a month not having a clue. And I can only imagine they were racking their brains, Hmm. playing through every possible thought of what could have caused this. But a month later is when the FBI finished their investigation into the phone and came back with this is why. There was an IP address that was tracked to Nigeria. And as far as apprehension or prosecution, what the FBI has told the family is they are certain that they will charge the scammer or scammers. And it's unclear whether this is one person or a group. The problem is going to be finding the individuals on the other end of that IP address. The FBI will charge them and bring them to justice. They just have to find them, and they're on the other side of the planet. So it's probably a Nigerian prince on the other end of that, right? Who's got $30 million if you just send them $500 worth of iTunes gift cards? What happened to the days when that was the big scam? Yeah. Is that somebody had you know $50 million they needed you to hold on to for a while, and then they'd give you half, and that was through email. Yeah. I never thought I'd say this, but I liked that scam a lot better. And when we first started talking about this issue, this topic, and you mentioned this case to me, it was kind of in passing after we had recorded one day. And I remember I went to look it up so I could prepare for us to record this episode. And so I Google search and my Google search is something like sextortion, football, boy, suicide. Those are the four words. And I don't, it's not like ask Jeeves. You don't write a sentence. So if you're still writing sentences, that's fine. You can do that, but you don't have to. So I put those four words in and there's like a page of results and I see all these stories and I'm like, wow, there's been a lot on this kid's story. And then I realized very quickly, it's not this kid's story. It's that every single one of these links that I'm looking at are different boys or different young men who have went through this exact same experience. And you sent that to me and said, which one? Yeah. I wasn't aware of that either. Prior to learning about this incident, I was aware of sextortion as a thing because in the span of family friends and friends of family and whatnot, one young man encountered this and then soon to find out a friend of his said, oh yeah, I have to. Now, fortunately, their situation did not end this way. And that's the main thing. Obviously, the best thing to do is don't put pictures of yourself on the internet in a compromising way or nude and don't put or make videos of yourself or anyone else in any state of undress on the internet. We have some kind of a false sense of security with some of these apps that, well, it disappears, but you have no idea if the person on the other end of there is recording via some other device, as was in Walker's case. They are recording with a video camera what they're watching on their computer screen, tablet screen, or phone. And also, computers, phones, and the internet all together, they're about as secure as a wet paper bag. Yeah. Things do not disappear. They are there once they're there. Certainly, teenagers are more susceptible to believe the claims of, oh, it disappears. And practically, that's probably true. But it's like putting a padlock on a suitcase. It's only going to keep the honest thief out. Mm -hmm. Right. Somebody that wants it is going to get it. And these shitbags have multiple ways around it. And if you think Instagram or the company that owns it, Meta, or that bag of shit Mark Zuckerberg gives a rat ass about you or your family, you are dead wrong. The guy that runs that company, the guy that started it, there's in writing where he has called his users idiots for sharing information with him that he can give out to anybody. And the rest of these apps, I don't want to say all of them, but I will say that I find it very frustrating as a parent of a teenager that there are so many little loopholes that almost look like they're built in to keep parents out. Mm -hmm. You know, these little private sections that most people never even know about. 
kids learn pretty quick. Plus, they can create multiple accounts. So they got one they show their parents. Then they've got another one that's the one they do the stuff they're not supposed to be doing. Right. That wasn't the case in Walker's situation. We know that the FBI did a download on the phone. So you think if he was into all kinds of other stuff, they would. They found found nothing, and that's it. There wasn't that he was into something. He was doing something. It wasn't like that. It was isolated. And just thinking about how to kind of work through this and what you can do, because at the end of the day, the real reason that we wanted to talk about this was to try to get this information out there and to educate folks, to have conversations with people. Most of us have kids in our life somewhere, whether there are kids, whether there are friends' kids, whether there are grandkids, whatever. And I think that the only way, at least for now, that we generally as the population can really put a dent in what we're seeing with this is through education and through conversations with kids. On the FBI's website, they have a page that's dedicated to sextortion, and they have some really, I think, helpful points They even break it down. They have a spot on there that says, how can I talk to my kids about sextortion? And then they give you these little 30-second topics with pointers so that you can just have a conversation that's not weird and that's not, you know, hey, did you know what this is? One of the major bullet points that I thought was, it just struck me as this really is the situation we find ourselves in. They title it, The New Version of Don't Talk to Strangers. And to me, when you said about sharing pictures, that's great advice. I tell people all the time, I would never put anything in writing that I wouldn't want read out loud at my deposition or in court. And if you live by that, you will put a lot less things in writing. That's just good advice. Right. I mean, that also goes along with don't do anything you wouldn't want on the front page of the newspaper. Bingo. But I think that... Of course, these days, it's don't do anything you wouldn't want on Facebook. (laughs) Right. Or threads, you know, you don't people threading about it. But... I think really this idea of the new version of don't talk to strangers, that's the base first element of this whole thing is in this interaction as an example, breaking it down, not to pick on him, because I think what he did was very typical of all young kids and most adults, right? But if you look at this and you're just way more skeptical about who is this person that I don't know that's messaging me. And my understanding through some of this is that these scammers will research the people they're talking to immediately before and then during their conversation so that If I was going to come after you, I message you what's up and then you respond and then, okay, I'm going to Google and I'm going to look up everything I can find about you, whether that's your friends list or your address, your past addresses. And when you say, well, who are you? And I say, oh, well, I know. And I pick somebody off your friends list who maybe has a really public profile, even if you don't. And maybe that says that they went to something and I say, oh, well, yeah, I went to high school with your friend, Joe. And, you know, Joe and I played football together because I see that you play football. Oh, cool. Okay. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. So, you know, and it goes from there. As a young person or somebody who's just not as cynical and skeptical as I am, you might just believe that at face value and you think, well, I'm talking to somebody who we have a connection. We know each other. This is the 2023 version of the guy with the puppy in the van. I mean, I've had that conversation with my kids, right? Candy, puppies, all that stuff. Don't talk to strangers. If somebody tries to approach you at a park, you run, you come get me right away, all that kind of stuff. To me, this is just a part of that conversation. It's an extension now that we live in this modern age where, you know, that is just as true on the internet, if not more so than it is at the local park. And so I really think that's an important thing that we just have to have those conversations. Yes. And they are uncomfortable and they're ever evolving. Telling our kids this is important. And I certainly have. One thing with teenagers is they think they're invincible. Uh Like you said earlier, They also think they've got everything under control, so it's not uncommon to get back something along the lines of, well, yeah, you know, I make sure that they're who they say they are by whatever means a teenager does, and some of those may be pretty sophisticated. Most of the time, they're rudimentary, so I'm not sure that they're going to do a great job of detecting that. Yeah, you're right. There's also the possibility that, especially with the advent of AI, there's a whole topic about how it might enhance this crime, this atrocity. And there's a couple of ways that I can see it going. One is it could help with the research because you're absolutely right. There is targeting happening here. In some of these cases, it is organized crime. They've found it in different places all over the world, Nigeria, the Ivory Coast, and a couple other places. And they're organized rings, so it's not just one person. You have a group of individuals You have people that can do the chit-chatting up front. You have people that can be doing the researching simultaneously and on and on. I could see these evil people 
scraping social media data and then using that as a training model for their own AI and then putting this on autopilot and be hands-free pretty much. Deep fakes could also be a real problem because mm. the day will come where someone will be able to be, make it look like you did a video that absolutely. you didn't even do. Yeah. They'll be able to produce a sex video, a crime video, or whatever kind of video you want with your likeness on it. And unless you have some identifying characteristic about your private parts that they don't know. But... <laughs> right. One thing, just being totally logical here, is once that becomes a thing, then that gives everyone plausible deniability, even if they did make the video. Because think about it now. Every time there's a picture that, you know, paints someone in a bad light, they've always got the, that's not real, that was photoshopped. For now, video, at least we think, well, there's the video. Yeah. It won't be long before you can Photoshop a video or create an entire video from air. So that's scary as hell. Yeah, I don't know what we do about that. I'm not smart enough for that stuff. We talked about Walker's case, and that occurred on Instagram, and I think I've made my feelings about <laughs> Meta perfectly clear. But this is not limited to Instagram. The Snapchat commissioned a little bit of research on the sextortion issue, and they found that two-thirds of teens on social media apps had been targets for sextortion. Now, Did you just say Snapchat commissioned this research? Did yeah. I hear that right? Yeah. So, so it's not, so for them, they would want this to be as favorable as possible, I would think, right? Well, you would think, but you also have to remember Snapchat is not owned by Meta. Mm -hmm. It is not owned by Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, give it time, buys everything. He has tried and they have said thanks, but no thanks. For them. Most of the victims of sextortion are males. They are teenage males, but this is not just Instagram. It's not just Snapchat. It's any of these social media apps. Anywhere that photos and videos can be shared is hunting ground. What they are finding, it mentions this in the article about this study, that typically the males are the targets of money extortion, and then the females are the targets of content extortion. So if they can get an image or a video of a female, they will then demand that the female provide additional images and videos or else they'll release the ones they already have. So that probably answered people listening right now. A question they might have had from earlier would have been, these scammers in Nigeria started out as a 16, 17-year-old girl who it was a, this mutual sort of video exchange is how this whole interaction started out. That would explain where that came from, right? It was right. probably content that was procured by the same awful people. Exactly. In exactly. the same awful method, just with a different their goal there is to get. And let's be clear. I want to be really clear. They're extorting all of these kids to get, create, produce, and then to distribute child pornography. That's right. what we're talking about. It is difficult to consider two consenting 17-year-olds sexting or sending pictures of each other back and forth. It's difficult to consider that child pornography, even though it technically may be, I guess, depending on the jurisdiction or the country or the state or whatever. But when it's being used in this way, yeah. when it's taken by... A hundred percent. And then distributed. So basically they're using the girls as bait mm -hmm. and it's a pretty old trick. I mean, in why do you think they have ladies night at bars? Right. But if you can get the females in, the men will come. So if you let the women in free, because guys are going to follow, women are about getting a good deal and guys are just, where are the girls at? Because that's where we're going to be. And that on a much more disgusting, despicable scale is what's happening here. Just uh, people that need to rot in hell, in my opinion. And I can't argue that point with you. This is awful. Everything about this is awful. Less than two weeks before this, in Streetsboro, Ohio, a young man named James Wood. He was 17 years old, only child. He was humble. Family describes him as smiling and laughing. He liked video games, and he was on the track team. And the smiling, I can say every picture I've seen of this kid, he's smiling. Or it seems like almost he, I don't want to say he's trying to hold back a smile, but it looks like smiling is his default. He just looks like a happy freaking kid everywhere. Uh, he was conned by scammers into sending a compromising video. They demanded $300. He sent them $100. And that was not enough. They continued to torment him, told him he'd never have a future. And the scammers also messaged him and said, you might as well end it now. Uh, 
There are around 200 messages demanding money sent over 20 hours from the initial contact. And there have been three more sextortion cases in this area since James's death. That was at the end of November 2022. In South Carolina, July 27th, around midnight, going into July 28th, 17-year-old Gavin Guffey, who wanted to be an art teacher, he looked out for everyone, super nice kid by everybody's definition. He fell victim to this mess by sending a compromising photo. Gavin sent all the money he had, $25, through Venmo, and he told them he would get more, but please don't send this stuff out. Same thing. These scammers were threatening to send out the images and going to ruin his life. He begged the scammers not to send the images out. They were unrelenting and just tormented him, as they do in the rest of these cases. It was less than two hours after the first message that Gavin was gone. And this is infuriating, but Gavin's father received an Instagram message about three weeks later on Gavin's 18th birthday from these scammers saying, did I tell you your son begged for his life with a laughing face emoji? Wow. So what is to gain from that? Yeah, you're a total dirtbag at that point. Gavin's situation, his father was running for or just elected to the legislature. And when this happened, he had some second thoughts about maybe I shouldn't do this. And his wife encouraged him that, look, you can have a voice in the legislature in South Carolina there to maybe prevent this. And so as a freshman in the legislature, he introduced some legislation because sextortion specifically is not codified, I don't believe, in federal law specifically. But several states, I think at the time there were like seven states that had laws and South Carolina, thanks to Gavin's dad, also added a law and even though they have avoided the practice of naming laws after people, I think they stopped that some time back. This law was named Gavin's Law. Apparently, that was unanimous to do that. And they included, I believe, when it went from their House to their state Senate, they added an amendment to include an educational component where every year in the schools in South Carolina, they have to teach that this exists and what this law is. It's one thing to have a punishment as a deterrent, but it's incredible that we'll be educating the kids that this is out there, stranger danger of the 21st century, don't do this. Now, you may ask, and there are provisions in the South Carolina law that if the situation is between a minor and a minor, for instance, I'm going to break up with you, well, fine, then I'm going to send out this nudie picture that you sent me. Just like more akin to, I guess, like revenge porn book. Yeah. I'm going to airdrop this nude of you that you sent me. Again, kids, right. don't send nudes. Right. And don't do that either, right? Let me share something with you in confidence. You're still being a jerk. Right. It's a different kind of jerk than what we're talking about. Still a jerk. Don't do it. So where I was going with that but is yeah, don't the, share your nudes. the provision in the South Carolina law, if it's an issue between minors, it'll go to family court. That way, a judge isn't locked in to sending somebody to prison for 10 years because... They shared something with the... Right, at 13 or 15 And there or could something. be varying degrees of that, too. I think the example you gave is probably on the harsher side of the spectrum. I could see where potentially you could have one of these sextortion laws and the way it's written, it leaves room that if, if little Bobby has nudes from his girlfriend and then gives them to three of his friends just to show them, does that fall under the sextortion statute if you don't have a carve out like that where, okay, we're just dealing with minors. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is I could see where having that carve out where it goes to family court, it might not just include cases where minors are all involved and they do something that's still very clearly illegal and wrong, but where minors are involved and, and maybe their actions are wrong and potentially illegal, but maybe not as, as evil or as their intent is just not in the same spot as some of these other crimes. So I think it makes sense to defer it to family court and that's a kind of an interesting way to deal with that. That's smart. Jordan DeMay in Michigan in March of 2022. He's a football player, smart, great student, great athlete. He was coerced into sending an explicit photo of himself. The scammers demanded $1,000. Jordan sent him $300. Their threat was, pay me now and I won't expose you. He said, I'm just going to kill myself. And they said, do it fast or I'll make you do it. I swear to God. Again, they are tormenting and pressuring and taking whatever horrible fear this kid has in his head 
and they are pushing it to the extreme. And I don't get the advantage of it. I, like, I don't get it. This is where, to me, this goes from being like kind of the reference I gave earlier with the mob. The mob did some not nice things and some very illegal things and all that. But a lot of what they did was consistent with their goal of just making as much money and having as much power as possible. To me, this borders on like when you look at like serial killers who, you know, they don't just kill. They kill and they do all these other things. They torture these people. It's like we're out to make money. But we're going to enjoy inflicting as much pain and devastation and destruction. We're getting off on this idea that. Right. It's a sadistic pleasure to them. From a business standpoint, it just doesn't make any sense because dead person cannot give you a dime. It just baffles me. These people are just. I wonder if their train of thought is along the line of drug dealers. If a heroin supplier provides a, a batch of heroin that a couple of people end up overdosing and dying from in their eyes and unfortunately it's true it's very good for business because the marketing message there is this is some really strong stuff so the supplier who of course like these people doesn't care at all about people right so a few dead will increase their overall sales or you brought up the mafia and while certainly dead people can't pay it also was not beyond them for someone that you know, really would not pay and we weren't making any progress. You make an example so that everyone else knows that this is what's going to happen. I just wonder if that's their sick mentality is that these kids will talk to each other and word will get around and yeah, you better find a way to get the money. That's the only logical thing I can come up with because I'm not a sadistic, heathen, hateful devil that would torment a kid i just don't get it yeah, i think that's a valid point and maybe the idea is in our wake of destruction you're either gonna comply or if you're not we're gonna make an example out of you so there have been three people identified in this sextortion case samuel ogashi samson ogashi and ezekiel ejehem robert they are all from nigeria and are in the process of being extradited And everywhere I've heard about that, it just sounds complicated. It is complicated. And it's like a whole subspecialty of law, frankly. So those three guys, they were charged in a four count indictment in federal court in the Western District of Michigan. You made a point earlier that's accurate, that there isn't a federal sextortion statute per se, but there are federal crimes that these schemes can fall under. And so in that case, in DeMay's case, they were charged in a four-count indictment. They were charged with sexual exploitation and attempted sexual exploitation of a minor resulting in death. They were charged with conspiracy to sexually exploit minors. That was count two. Count three was conspiracy to distribute child pornography. And then also in count four, conspiracy to commit stalking through the internet. And so those were the four crimes that they were charged with. And in the indictment, they take some of the comments that were said and some of the things. So they say they used and shared scripts and ideas of how to extort money from the victims, including but not limited to. So this was a part of a script that these three would use. Hey, I have screenshot all your followers and tags and those that comment on your post. I can send this nudes to everyone and also send your nudes until it goes viral. All you've to do is cooperate with me and I will not expose you. And so then it says that as part of the overt acts of the conspiracy, which is a requirement typically in most conspiracies, is that you did something. You don't just talk about it, but you actually did something to further the conspiracy. As part of the overt acts in the indictment, it says that these three contacted and attempted to contact more than 100 individuals in furtherance of the conspiracy to harass and intimidate individuals into paying money. And then they go on into some of the specific stuff that you talked about. So this is in relation to the Jordan DeMay? Yes. I do remember it was announced that there were over 100 other sextortion victims just by these three scammers. Yeah. And now we're not saying all of those committed suicide, just that they were sextorted. Part of that, yeah. So I do want to tell you, and ironically, his name is Ryan Last. He's not Last because his name is Last just in chronological order going backward. So Ryan, in March of 2022, 17-year-old straight-A student, Boy Scout, he was set to attend Washington State University for agricultural biotech. He was conned by scammers into sending an intimate photo. Their first demand was for $5,000, and he told them there's no way. Then they immediately changed their demand to 150 It's a big, big drop. Right. So he has access to and sends $150 out of his college savings. 
And then, of course, they kept demanding more and more money. Mm. And this is the other thing. Whatever their demand is, if they say, give me $5,000 and you give them $5,000, you have just turned on the tap mm -hmm. because now they know you are willing and able to send money to them. So the demands will never stop. They will never be paid off. It's not going to end with give them five grand and they go away. And you can pay them. They still have your picture. It's not going anywhere. We're not picking on these kids that send money. I get it, right? You're a kid and you're thinking, I just want this to go away. I can fully understand in the moment to feel like you just want to do whatever you can do to make it stop. So we're not in any way trying to shame somebody trying to get out of this situation. But objectively, if you just sit back and look at it, and this is lines up with what the FBI, like the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, the resources that they've put out, it all lines up with that that if you pay, they're just going to continue to want more. Right. Paying doesn't make it go away at all. His mom said goodnight to him at 10 p.m. By two o'clock in the morning, he had taken his own life and he left a suicide note saying he was embarrassed for himself and his family. And I don't know if I said, but Ryan Last was from San Jose, California. So this, I think you can see we've been all over the country here. East Coast, the West Coast, the Midwest, up and down, everywhere. Yeah, this isn't a geographical issue. You know, this isn't like it only affects low socioeconomic status or it only affects rich people. It's not any of that. It's all over the place. And in January of 2023, the FBI, along with Homeland Security and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, issued a national public safety alert regarding what they coined as an explosion in incidents of children and teens being coerced into sending explicit images online and extorted through this sextortion scheme. They said in over the past year, law enforcement agencies have received over 7,000 reports related to the online sextortion of minors resulting in at least 3,000 victims, primarily boys. More than a dozen sextortion victims were reported to have died by suicide. Like we said at the, at the outset, this is not an isolated thing. This is not something that's, oh, it's, it only happens to bad kids, or it only happens to kids in bad families or kids in rich families. This is affecting families across the country. So please, if you can hear our voices, don't think whatever. If you have kids or you're around kids, you have access to kids, I think. Or you are a kid. Yeah. Or, yeah. Oh, that's scary, man. Kids listen to our podcast. Gosh, listen to something. I guess that's. There's worse out there. That's true. That's true. Yeah. We're not that bad, but yeah. So if you are a kid for anybody, yeah, there's lots of resources out there. The FBI, like I said, they have resources. All of the agencies I just mentioned, there's tons of resources. There's helplines. There's tip lines. So if you find yourself to be a, a victim in one of these, because at the end of the day, like we said, nobody's perfect. So you could do all the right things and maybe you slip up or you make a mistake. There's help out there. You can contact the FBI and seek assistance if you find yourself in one of these kind of situations. For sure. I'm not judging any of these guys. And I applaud Brian Montgomery Walker's dad who said, you know, if he was 16 years old and this technology existed, where there was an unlimited supply of pornography and content and all this other stuff. He's like, I know what I'd be doing. It's not right, but I know what I'd be doing. And he likens it to back in the day, there were magazines, which of course would give us a distorted perception of women and relationships maybe, but it doesn't end up in you dying within a few hours of opening the magazine. Yeah. Technology is powerful. That's the bottom line. There's, and it can be powerful good and it can be powerful bad. And it's like the ocean. You got to respect it and appreciate what it is. And big tech is not helping you at all here. Yeah, they don't care about you. They, they want, don't care about me. I believe that they really don't want you interfering with the attention hold they have on your kids. Well, it's all about the bottom line, I think. Anything that takes your kids' eyes off of their platform is not good for them. Because they want those kids to be future customers and they want them to be good customers that are well-trained to use it to the fullest extent possible to improve all their metrics so that they make more money and so that they get more all of it. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now, earlier you had asked a little bit about or touched on extradition. Ext yes. Why, why did I hear for a month or two or three of researching this? Everything I heard was they're in the process of extraditing. They're gonna, what is it? We know where they're at. Get them, bring them back here. I would say, take these three guys and lock them in a room with, I don't know whether the dads or the moms would be worse. <laughs> With Maybe. the moms and dads of all of these victims and let things play out. Yeah. So extradition is, it's a sub area. I'm not an expert, but I did a little deep dive and it is frankly interesting. I've never been extradited 
I've been asked not to come back to certain states, but I've never been asked specifically to come to one. Uh, Oh, that's great. All right. But one of the interesting things about this is it varies country to country, agreement to agreement. So extradition is regulated by treaty. I venture to guess most people aren't experts in how treaties work or treaty law, but just know that there are these treaties between countries. In this instance, because we're talking about cases that involve predominantly, almost exclusively Nigerians, I went ahead and looked up what the treaty is with the United States and Nigeria. And interestingly, it was signed so long ago, I think it was maybe back in the 30s or something like that, that the treaty was actually between the United States and the United Kingdom. But because Nigeria was apparently, I don't know if they call it a territory, a commonwealth, a province or whatever Co- term. Was it a colony? Brit- British colony? Like, I don't know. They colonized like the whole world at one point. Right. So at some point it probably was. But at that point in time, the UK had the authority to sign the treaty on behalf of Nigeria. So Nigeria is part of that treaty because of its position. And then there's been some revisions and some minor updates throughout the years. But Nigeria recognizes that they're bound by that treaty and that's the one that applies. So extradition can take from a couple months to a couple years. It all depends on a lot of factors. So essentially the way it works is like here, you would have those guys in the case in Michigan where an indictment gets signed off by the grand jury. And then as a result of that indictment, some arrest warrants would get issued by a federal judge there in Michigan. Once those warrants get issued, then you get into this crazy process of I think part of why it takes so long is it involves so many different parts of the government. So you have the judicial branch involved, which makes sense because it's the courts and there's stuff, but you also have the State Department gets involved. So the State Department through, they'll work with the Department of Justice, tell the State Department, hey, we've indicted these three guys. They're in Nigeria. We want them here. We want to try. The State Department reaches out to their counterparts in Nigeria and says, there's these three guys and they're in your country whether they're citizens or not, whatever, they're there and we want to extradite them. So then the ball starts rolling a little bit at that point. Then there are proceedings that are going to take place in Nigeria. And this is like a double, triple layer review kind of process. The executive kind of looks at it like their counterparts to our State Department. So they kind of review it to make sure all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted. Is this appropriate? And that's looking at the treaty because under the treaty, there are certain enumerated crimes where you can be extradited. And if a crime's not included or there's not an analog for that, then you can't be extradited. I'll say when I reviewed this treaty, it was a lot. There were a lot of crimes that were included. Then they look at some other things. And this is where I think it's political, right? So they start looking at some of the political stuff from the executive standpoint. If they give the green light and they stamp it and they move it on, then it goes to the Nigerian courts. And the Nigerian courts review it before anything even happens with the individuals. So they review it again to make sure, is everything compliant? And they'll look at then more of the judicial side of it. Okay, does the warrant that was issued here, is it legit? Is the indictment, what is it for? Is it legit? Does it fall under the treaty? Does it fall under the law? Then they're going to look and see under the treaty, if those three guys are charged with crimes for the same offense there, then they won't be extradited. So let's just say for whatever reason, Nigeria had charged them with those crimes or crimes for that same conduct. They would deny the request and say, yeah, we're not going to extradite them because they're being tried for that here. Is that only for if charges already exist or can Nigeria say, you know what, we're going to go ahead and charge them and try them here? My understanding is they could do that. And now I don't know that they would. And the crime really occurred in the United States. I don't know how Nigerian law works. I don't know if they could do that or not. There's an argument the crime occurred in both places. I'm fine either way, as long as there's a heinous, torturous execution. Yeah. So there's lots of requests to extradite princes from Nigeria and sextortioners from Nigeria and scammers from Nigeria. Nigeria doesn't have so many requests to, there's apparently there's not a booming business in the United States of scamming Nigerians. So the extradition pipeline tends to just go one way, which apparently has created some friction where maybe the Nigerians are, their government is not as quick to want to just hand people over. So if the courts review everything and the paperwork looks good, their police would go out they would arrest those guys, they'd bring them in, and then there would be court proceedings where the individuals would have a chance to make challenges to the proceedings. So if there's anything where, yeah, the courts have reviewed it, yeah, the their State Department has reviewed it, but now they have an opportunity to protest if they think anything's not 
the way that it should be, or if a mistake was made up to that point. And then there are appeals that they're allowed to take on that process. So if their initial court rules against them, they can appeal it. I think there's two or three levels of appeals. And by now you're tired of hearing my voice and you can probably understand why this doesn't happen in a week. It takes anywhere from several months to several years. What I'm thinking is this is exactly the kind of situation that caused Dog the Bounty Hunter to just go to Mexico and grab Andrew Luster's ass rather than going through the process. Now, I did end dog up in Mexican prison for a little while and a million dollars in legal fees later, but wow. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. And sextortion is not solely a Nigerian problem. Oh, no, absolutely. Nigeria isn't all bad either. Unfortunately, we get the Nigerian print scam. Now we've got the sextortion. And those are the things that most people know about Nigeria. But the Nigerian people are generally very honest, hardworking people. Yeah, it makes sense. I think, well, there's 180 million people there or something. Obviously, not all of them are running sextortion rings. Right. We hear about 1% of the 1% of the 1% who ruin it for everybody. And to that point about this not being just a Nigeria problem, back in 2021, the United States Attorney's Office for the Southern District of Indiana had a press release that read, Child Predator and Cyber Terrorist Buster Hernandez, a.k.a. Brian Kill, sentenced to 75 years in federal prison. He used sextortion and death threats and had over 375 minor victims. It's incredible. He's 29 years old from Bakersfield, California. Oh. And the charges included over 41 separate allegations that included production of child pornography, coercion and enticement of minors, receipt and distribution of child pornography, threatened use of explosive devices, extortion, threats to kill, kidnap or injure other persons, witness tampering, obstruction of justice, and retaliation against the victim. It included the actual attempted sextortion, like I said, of at least 375 victims, including two from foreign countries. So this guy out of Bakersfield was actually doing this to people in other countries. Right. It's uh, not just an imported crime. It's also exported. exported. Threats to kill, rape, and kidnap hundreds and threats to use explosive devices against Plainfield and Danville High Schools, the shops at Perry Crossing, and a local Walmart. It is mind-boggling. Apparently, when one of the victim's mothers intervened, and refused to provide additional images, which, okay, so you've got a parent who's come to the rescue, put a stop to it, we're done. This guy, using the alias Brian Kill, which is insane, threatened to kill the victim, her mom, her sister, and her boyfriend. And then he went on to post on Facebook that he intended to bomb Plainfield and Danville high schools, and then posted, quote, I am coming for you. I will slaughter your entire class and save you for last. These people... Depraved is like the only word that really... That is absolutely depraved. But let me jump back a second here. It just baffles me that Facebook has plenty of time to censor news that it doesn't agree with, but it... Can't pick that up. It can't (laughs) detect this crap. I mean, seriously... Yeah. And I think I heard Walker's dad at one point in a podcast or an interview somewhere talking about calling on elected officials, calling on Congress to come up with some ways to safeguard kids on the Internet. And he said something that I hadn't heard before that I thought was really interesting. He said, there was a point in this country where we decided you had to be a certain age to drink alcohol. And we just said, this is the way it's going to be. And from here on out, it's going to change. Now, I'm not saying that I don't know that there's an age requirement on the Internet. Maybe there should be for social media. But certainly, I got to believe there are things that the social media companies and that we can do as a society to make things safer and to make things better. And I think the law lags behind society and technology in a way that we got to do a better job of catching up. Yeah, sure. The internet all these years later is still the Wild West. And as far as like the age restrictions on social media and whatnot, they're a joke. Oh, for sure. And I won't pick on any one of them specifically, but I will say in general, I've encountered it with my kids where, okay, you need to create an account or you put in your birthday. And if you're under 18, you're going to have restricted access. So what do you do? You change your birthday. You just change your birthday. Poof. Now I get all the adult features. No problem. It's like when you go to the websites that are like alcohol or whatever, and then it'll come up and be like, put your birthday in. And I always think that's hilarious because- Or a checkbox. Are you over 21? (laughs) Yeah. Sure am. (laughs) Right. There's probably three Uh, kids in America that, you know, if they want to go to a website and they hit that are going to say, oh, no, I'm not. I guess I better not. I was not one of those kids. And I know you sure as hell weren't. Yeah. I've been 21 since 1984. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But yeah, 
Here's another point I want to bring up, and I believe it was uh, Mr. Guffey, Gavin Guffey from South Carolina, his father, that said the way he views this is that these men came into his home in the middle of the night and murdered his son. I absolutely agree with that. I don't know in general how that fits in with the law, but I am reminded of the 2014 suicide of Conrad Roy. He was 18 and the 17-year-old female was, mm, was texting him Connecticut or Massachusetts, and encouraging him to yeah. go through with it. And she was eventually charged and convicted of involuntary manslaughter. So the advice, what can you do? You can report an incident to the cybercrime, what is the cybercrime task force that's online. Yeah, the FBI says you can contact your local field office and there's also, their phone number is 1-800-CALL-FBI. If you find yourself as a victim or you think you're going to be a victim or whatever, if you need assistance in that way, those are two ways you can go. And then also, if you think you have information about somebody who's doing this or might be doing it, there's, I think it's like tips.fbi.gov. So you can go there. We'll put a link to that in the description. Yes. Some other options. There are private companies that offer to help you with this. We have no personal experience. We're not recommending them in general or any of them. They offer to assist in ultimately preventing the photos or media from getting published and attempting to provide useful information to the FBI that uh, may lead to the apprehension of these individuals. Again, no idea whether that works or not, but it is another option. Providing any amount of money or providing additional content to these scammers does not work. They'll just keep asking for more. Yeah. Some other things that I've heard and seen in my research is what about just stopping contact with with them and apparently sometimes that works but sometimes that does end up in your content getting released bringing this back to walker montgomery and his dad brian hmm. his dad brian and courtney have made it a point to try and prevent other people from going through this and brian said that people reach out to him on facebook or via phone or whatever and someone that lived nearby to him actually told Brian that after seeing an interview of him on TV, he went and had a talk with his teenage son and explained the whole thing and you know, what to look out for and don't get yourself in this mess. But if something happens, talk to me. That was early in the week, maybe like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And then that weekend, that boy's parents went into town for something. He was home alone for a couple of hours before he called his dad saying, I, I'm in big trouble. You know, this is what happened. So when this guy explained this to Brian Montgomery, Mr. Montgomery was like, I would give anything mm. to be in your situation right now and have the opportunity to make that a life lesson, a teaching experience rather than my son being gone. I don't know about you, but that is the way that I have presented this to my kids is Rule number one, just don't be sharing your stuff on the internet. And number two, don't trust people you don't know, even if you think you might know them through somebody else. They really still could be a scammer regardless of what you think. But I know kids are kids. We know that, what are you, 25 when your prefrontal cortex mm. is finally formed? Teenagers can be very irrational, emotional. They're kids. Yeah, they're just not right. there yet. They're just kids. We all made stupid choices when we were kids. <laughs> I'm beyond what a cat is because I've used up way more than nine lives. <laughs> and again, I am not picking on any of these kids at all. So the next part I've given them is... And if you do, because you're human and you're going to do dumb stuff, and I understand that, if you do, it is not the end of the world. I want to get to them before these shitbag scammers do and convince them their life is over. I want them to know that worst case, you got some dirty picture or nudie video or whatever, sex video, it gets out there. It is still not the end of the world. There are plenty of people out there in the world that have had successful careers despite a leaked sex video. Some people got their career started by, I'm thinking like Kim Kardashian. I don't think she was famous until that happened. We know more about, who was it? Tommy and Pamela? Yeah, yeah more about them. M might not have been the way they drew it up, but that, right. you know. Okay, it's not good. Sure, it's not good. But you know what? You're not perfect. We don't expect you to be perfect. So my point is, we want our kids to avoid it. Absolutely. We want them to have the knowledge, but they're kids. They're going to make mistakes. I'm a full grown ass man and I make mistakes every day. So if they do, look, this is not the end of the world because I can't imagine my heart breaks for these kids that were sitting there late at night alone, 
feeling like, like that was the answer. This is so bad. I can't even talk to somebody about it. There's nobody I can take this problem to. I want them to understand, and I'm sure all parents do, just as Brian Montgomery said, he would give anything for the chance to be face-to-face with his son, confronting this situation and working through it with him. Yes, there will be consequences, but there's consequences to everything we do. You get through it. Yeah, 100%. Shout out to our mom, the frequent thing she said, and I have used it with our kids. Like, I don't care how bad it is, I'm always available. And she also had the thing where it was like, if you screw up and you know I'm going to be mad, you can come to me and say, I got to talk to you about something. I need you right. to like not be mad at me for just to get through this. We were told, as long as I can remember, I'll love you no matter what. I may not love what you do, mm-hmm. but I'm always going to love you. And yes, the door was always open. But look, I don't want to make it sound like, you know, I don't blame the parenting here at all. And no, I think no, I don't some of these people are way better parents than I am. That's for sure. And this still happened. I think that just underscores the importance of just regularly having these kind of conversations, too, because the kids, you know, they might have heard it before. But if you say it enough to the point that they're annoyed with it, then maybe when they get in a predicament like that, they'll listen. And maybe they won't. Like you said, maybe these kids thought, oh, this is beyond what is okay for me to go talk to mom or dad about. Yeah, I know I can tell my mom or dad anything, but this is way worse than anything, especially when you've got scammers on the other end. If I had fallen victim to this at 16, I don't know, even though I feel like, like you said, our mom, she wasn't going to disown us for anything. Yeah. But even with that, I don't know if this had happened to me at 16, I might have been in the same boat of thinking this is way beyond anything that I can talk to anybody about. Yeah. And then yeah. you've got the scammers on the other end going, this is horrible. Your life's over. Nobody's going to talk to you. Yeah. You're going to be disowned. I believe there were a couple of these I looked into where the scammers were even telling the victims that they had committed a crime by sending this in the first place and that they were going to get them arrested. Oh my God. Wow. That's awful. This whole thing is awful. So hug your kids, talk to them about it, be open. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us on the Brothers in Crime podcast. Feedback and suggestions are always welcome. For links and resources related to this episode, please see the show notes or visit us at brothersincrimepodcast.com. We hope you'll save, subscribe, or bookmark us on your favorite podcast site and join us for the next episode. Bro, you driving the bus? I'm just here for the ride. I'm drawing a total blank. In the middle of talking and you hear the chair, it's like, what?